hear it? Here we go. Born in trouble. In and out the frame, out your flame. What is good? Hope you are enjoying your evening tonight. Welcome to the 16th episode of Born in Trouble. And I'm your host, John X. How y'all doing tonight? I'm here with my illustrious guest once more, Mr. Robert Brooks. What's going on, Johnny? How you feeling? Very good. Very good, brother. Very good. Very good. Getting by. From Detroit, owner of City Wings. 2896 West Grand Boulevard, Detroit, Michigan. Detroit, Michigan from Motown, Mr. Grant Lancaster. What up, dog? And I hope it's going to be a stone gas. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. We Thank got you, Johnny John. Walker Black in the building, Brad. What you talking about? Johnny Walker Black <laughs> on the rocks. Cops on the blocks. John Black. Yeah, they, they don't, know, don't know about Johnny Walker Black, baby. They don't know about that. That's the X special right there. Yeah, mm, yeah, yeah. Mm, round of applause for that one. Anyway, and of course, Dr. Kimye Nuru. Hey. Get him. Get him. Kimya. I think yay Swahili. is more of a Kimya. like it just pops when I when I see you and I hear your conversation. It just pops. It just pops with Yeah, me. but it's Swahili still. It's Swahili. Yeah. I can't change your name. Not and why would you ever want to? White people have done that enough to uh, white people language. have done that enough. That's what we were looking for. <laughs> were you just trying to get her fired up before you start this thing up? <laughs> right. <laughs> I do this work every day. I don't get fired up so simply. A man's got to do what a man's got to do. I need to get a I need to get a church, some type of church like uh thing besides this to go. Oh, like yeah, him a hymn to hook up. I'm so you, so you get so you get an amen from the choir. Amen. Oh, I'm I can't be my own choir. Damn it! I'm working on that, y'all. I'm sure you are. So now the foolish part of the show is gone. Unfortunately, Mr. Gene Hopkins will not be joining us this evening. Round of applause for Mr. Gene Hopkins, who will not be here this evening. When you said the foolish part of the show is gone, were you mean was that why you introduced Gene at that point? Or <laughs> right, yo, bro, the foolish you... part didn't show up today, bro. Yeah. What are you trying to say? <laughs> Y'all have no chill. I, I mean, I'm just, I'm just, just saying checking. what you said. Yeah, I'm just yeah, no chill. I'm, I'm saying that I, I was talking about myself. Oh, oh, about oh. Gene. So you, were, oh, okay. <laughs> was misunderstanding because I didn't think you were done. Oh, <laughs> so. Oh. That's why I was confused. It's not right. It's not right. I'm just trying to get the energy going here tonight. Y'all look a little down tonight. What's going on? Somebody run over your cats before you got home or something? Uh-uh, no, nah, you know, I had, a, I had a good day with my daughter, man. She was, we, we hung out at Top Golf. We went and got some lunch, you know. Worked okay. on our swing. Okay. You know, it was a nice, relaxed day. No game today, so I was able to just relax. Because, you know, a little R&R. Day in the black suburbs, I guess. Grant, were you playing any golf today, or were you dipping chicken wings? Uh, no, we don't. We don't. Uh, we don't. We don't golf in in Detroit, or at least I don't golf in Detroit. There's a lot of cats to do, but <laughs> I say there's um, some dudes who golf in Detroit. Yeah. Oh yeah, a lot of lot of lot of them on the fire department. Um, 
But now nah, I, I just went to work today. I just uh put Layla in the bed and now it's uh time to time to get my uh soapbox out. Dr. Kimia, you you take any strokes today? You you did you hit the links today? Hey, hey oh okay. Did you? Okay. Did you? I know, guys. He was like, "What were he asking?" Yeah, when you said take strokes, I'm like, "What? What? What?" That's why I paused. So, uh, are we are we flipping the script? No. Today I worked hard. Today I worked hard to do work. I'm so ashamed of y'all. Social justice work. I'm so ashamed of all of y'all right now. Bro, you you're the one saying these things. You know, Brentwood has a country club. You know, there's a, there's a thing right in the middle of town. You know, we all, you know, some of us hung yeah, out there. I do not play no. Yeah, that was different. We were chasing people. We were being chased over those. It's different. It's different. It's different. So, you know, I'm just going to start with, like, this week was a short week because we had Memorial Day and we had an interesting incident that happened in Ohio where the white veteran um, was speaking about the origins of Memorial Day, which was, um, I don't know, I'm not that bright, but I think it was something about black people coming in and digging up Union soldiers and giving them individual graves, and that's the beginning of the origin of the holiday. And when he mentioned this to the crowd, the his mic got cut off. The person who organized the event um, apparently had went over the speech with him beforehand, and asked him to remove the part that mentioned the contribution of those um, black people in starting the holiday. She didn't think it was appropriate to what they were doing in Ohio. I don't know what they do in Ohio. Rob, you've traveled a lot. What do they do in Ohio? No, we're going to come back to that one. No, we're going to come back to that one. No, so, there's no need to come back to that one. It's, a, it's just like the other 50 states. I don't know what the fuck they do in Ohio. I've never been there. It's, you know, it's, so I've driven through. It just once. think of upstate. Just think of upstate New York, but mm. you know, right? All without know. Niagara Falls or all I know about Ohio is Sabaro. So, um, you know, so that's that. And um, they cut his Sabaro. Yeah, it's on the highway. When you're okay. Driving through, you got a rest stop. So I know in Ohio they have like, I think that's the land of cheese, or is that Wisconsin? No, nah, that's Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Yeah. Well, sorry, then I don't know anything about Ohio. <laughs> That's where the bronze from, man. Dave Chappelle lives there. Y'all are like my setup men and don't even know it. Y'all just setting them up. I'm just, just like lining I'm them up. Just say pow, pow, pow. <laughs> just say it. That's like the only oh, I got a cousin from Ohio. Hold them up, Lancaster. Hold them up. Hold them up. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, so they shut so, him down. What? Go ahead, doctor. You have something, you know. Did you want to say something about them cutting off his mic? I want to ask black folk why we care about that. Because white people have been lying about history for centuries. That's what they put in libraries, schools, K-12 colleges, universities. They cut our mics off every day. They punish us, terminate us from jobs for telling the truth. So why we care about this white person's one mic? As Niles would say, all I need is one mic. Why we care about this one white person's mic? Why just because they mic was cut off at the cipher? All these black MCs and the one white person at the cipher might get cut off, but we care about the white person mic. 
I guess, Why black folk care about that? I guess like when you put it like that, it's kind of like when Rakim um, says pump up the volume. It's like if they were to cut that off at every party you went to from 1990 until the present day, you probably wouldn't have the same type of, uh. Black folk, our voices are cut off constantly when we talk about facts. Even on social media, white people report us. We're cut off when we teach about it, when we do presentations about it. And people tend not to say, wait a second, why did that happen? This outcry doesn't happen. But this white person, and that's that whole white savior syndrome. Like the the percentage of white people who are doing what they should be doing, if they get cut off, we don't need to express empathy and compassion. Instead, we need to say, this means you need to work harder to get done what you say you want to get done. Hmm. I I, I, I would kind of attack it from another angle. I don't think it's so important that the white man's mic was cut off. I do think it's it's fairly significant that he's a white person who chose to speak the truth and his mic happened to be shut off, similar to what black people go through on a on a daily basis. You know what I mean? So it's not so much that it was it's not so much that it was um, a, a white man, but it, it, it is significant that he was speaking a truth that was that that's a historically a, a hidden historical fact. and you know well, he was he was cut off from at the source well he was black that day yeah uh, but right. the, the but fact at, that for that moment is why it's getting so much celebration black folk get cut off every day speaking absolutely facts. i, so I, I agree just, with that. i'm tired of white people the white savior thing i'm tired of when we speak up black people have a tendency to be like well maybe it wasn't the appropriate time for you to say that but when white people speak up and get cut off people act like the world's about to end for real, for real. Because this white person went out of their comfort zone. We should be thankful. I don't believe in being be, being thankful. Like the white person did what he was supposed to do. So now he let the mic cut off and he complied with that. Whereas maybe he should have just kept going and whatever the case may be. But I just, I think black people just celebrate the bare minimum too much. Yeah, I, 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 see, I don't look at it as a celebration. I, you know, I think of it just as a fact. I think that, you know, I think what makes the story a story is that in this moment where people think that there is more room to tell the truth. Now, we know differently, but they believe that there's this moment happening. You know, people are going to be able to tell the truth and their their stuff's going to come out. And he got cut off. I think it just shocked, you know, I think it shocks them. We're not the ones who put that story out there. I think it shocks them that, oh, they, they did this to this guy. You know, he's. He was an invited speaker and they did this to him like, well, you know, it's not shocking to us because it's been happening to us forever. But I think to them, it's shocking. And so that's why it's gotten a little bit of traction because it never should Uh happen to them. Yeah, because it never should happen to them. It's something that's um, alien to them in um, thought that somebody would ever take the time to shut them down, that it's actually that important to them. And um they're not going to change anything because of this. This shock will go away soon. And well, you know, th- somebody will do something tomorrow to deflect our attention. You know, it's short attention. America is short attention span theater. So, well, yeah, white people tomorrow. are not going to say this is horrific. We must change this. What people are learning in schools. They this is just, you know. Well, you know, I think we've gone through a pretty interesting time in the uh, past, you know, and just getting past like the last uh 
I'm not even going to say four years. I'm going to say 12 years because the emotions of white people changed from the time Obama became president up until the current time. Um, Their emotions that the simple fact that he was able to get in the presidency is something that get the presidency is something that resonates with them to this very day. And um, I always found it interesting because I, I never thought that Obama would be president only because of the fact that I didn't know who Obama was. I thought that there would come a time in this country where there would be a black president. And, but I thought that that time was probably um, four or probably eight years off. And so when he came in, he was a surprise. He was a surprise to all of us. I'm not going to discuss his policies. I'm not going to get all into that and everything. I just want to talk about the optics and what it did mentally to people in this country. I like your optimism because you thought, you know, it wasn't his time, but it was, you know, four or eight years away. I thought it was much further down the road than that. No, I, uh, I go ahead. And, you know, so I was, you know, the fact that that guy got the, got the nod completely shocked me. Yeah, I thought it was going to come eventually, but I didn't think it was going to come when it came. So when it did come and it did happen, it changed everything. And the reason why I say that is because you look at the numbers by 2045, Caucasians are supposedly going to be the minority in this country. That's like, you know, 20 years, 24 years. And the thought process that came to me, you know, that's been going through my mind probably since the year 2000 is what are the years leading up to that going to be like? How extreme were these people going to get? Were they going to get extreme or were they going to actually accept? Were we going to see the promises of what they said was America? Were they ever going to, were they going to, they were going to be faced with the truth about what your words are and what your deeds are going to have to, you know, be. And the internet kind of even takes that and makes it even stronger because of the fact that everything, the information, correct information is out there. So critical race theory gets thrown in a mix. And now we're looking at a whole new different pie pile. And I know You know, some people will say, I I just think it's interesting the way it unfolds, the way it's all unfolding with these people losing their batshit minds. They're losing their batshit minds. So. Face with face with your own extinction. What at what point does the self-preservation kick in? You know what I mean? And, and, and knowing how extreme white people have been to do everything, you know what I mean? Like white people, they, they, they come in and they, and they kind of try to, they try to annihilate everything. Right. So being faced with your own extinction, you know, if, if 2045 is the number, you know what I mean? I mean, that's, that's less than 25 years away. So if you're faced with your own extinction in, in less than 25 years, what would you do to ensure your own survival? Let me respond to that. Mm-hmm. Please do. So this whole extension thing, extinction thing, that's been like 30 years of promise. Like in the future, United States of America is going to be browner. That is an exaggeration. Because we have to remember, there are many people from different ethnicities, cultures, nations of origin who racially identify as white. 
true. However, over the past 30 years, white people have responded to the mere threat. And, and there's a perspective we call it the racial threat hypothesis, which pertains to a lot of how white people respond to perceived reduction of power. But examples have been things like government offering financial incentives for reproduction, particularly for middle class white people, tax incentives, all of that stuff. And so, and there's many articles written about this. I think on the Federalist, they had uh, articles about uh, encouraging white couples to stop using birth control and all that stuff like that. So that those are scare tactics. And the thing about scare tactics, it not only can increase reproduction. So those of us who've decided never to have children, for example, you know, white people have contacted me and, you know, stalkers have said, you know, it's good that you're not reproducing. Your people need to die out anyway. You know, those kinds of threats are scare tactics. But at the end of the day, I, I bet in 10, 15, 20 years, we'll find that this huge population change is not happening as uh, researchers usually have suggested. So you don't be- so you don't believe that the numbers are actually true. You believe that. Yeah, they- I mean, these. Yeah, these were never presented as like real numbers. It's just been kind of estimates. And um, the thing about estimates, sometimes people take them real literally. Like people think, oh, we're going to have racial justice because it's going to be fewer white people. And that's not like, let's pretend that the population for white people goes from literally, it's 60, about 65% of the American population now. Okay. And that's white people, including white Hispanics and so forth. Let's pretend it becomes the minority in terms of population size. That does not mean that white people are going to stop being the controllers of schools, medical health services, police, penal system, court system, workforce development, all that. So I think that people need to stop focusing on the population shift and instead focus on the fact that like Black sociologists have always said, let's look at the issue of accommodation and assimilation into whiteness. What does it mean when you're new to this nation and you still conform to whiteness? See, that's very interesting because I w- we were talking before the show about the guy from um, the African country. I'm not going to call him out from his country. But I looked this country up and this country was kind of it was um, out of 372 countries in the world, nations in the world. They were like uh, 365. So it was like one of the poorest countries in the world. And he expressed that he was here in the United States and he was doing quite well. You know, he's doing whatever he was doing in his business and he was able to become um, successful. Now, the thing that struck me about him when he was taking the position that he was taking, which was one to me that was one of anti-blackness, deny your history, deny who you are and everything, just like assimilate and be like them. Because this is what was this is what was actually looked at by him as being desirable. He wanted to be his master. And by coming to the United States, he actually was able to skip over a rung and in a way, in a form, become his own master. If what he was saying about himself was true, then he was able to become his own master. So that was something that made him feel good and empowered him. So it's like what I really wanted to say was like the. The synopsis, the whole thing that I came up with was, oh, it's not a black thing with this guy. It's a money and a status thing and a position thing. He wants to be them more. So just like in on the plantation, they had overseers and um, the family that was in the house that worked and were taught differently and treated differently. 
he has been brainwashed and he doesn't even know it. And the scary part about that is that he comes from a very dirt poor situation himself. And somehow they were able to reach down to his wherever he was living. I'm not going to say like, you know, something like, like I would say in order to make a joke. But um, whatever wherever he was living and everything, that brainwashing still got through. Well, I mean, there's always going to be people in the, you know, everybody focuses on what they want to focus on. There's a lot of people who just focus on the economics. And, you know, as long as their economics are good, it's good. Right. You know, and, you know, he's one of them. You know, he had, he, you know, wherever he was, whatever his situation was, he had nothing. Now he's got something. He thinks he's got everything. You know, there'll come a time, um, you know, we'll, we'll all get judged, supposedly. And he's going to figure out that he was wrong, possibly. You know, there's a billion Chinese people. They can't all be wrong. They can't all be wrong. True. Meaning that there, and, and I say that meaning there are lots of different re- religions in the world. Kindness and love is probably the religion, but people get hooked on other stuff. And That's, you know. why, that's why we need you here, Doc. <laughs> <laughs> Nope, no, 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 don't, no, no, don't, don't, no, don't zip it up and throw no, away the key. No, no, no. You know? So, hey, listen, there's, there's a reason why these things, these stereotypes exist, because to a certain extent, yeah. Anyway, now I'm wrong. See, I, I came and I, see, that's why we friends, Rob. No, I'm I mean, it's not just simple. Alone. No, it's not simple right or wrong for something. Yeah. Just expanding and understanding what it means, because y'all remember we actually talked about this the last time we, we did the podcast. There's no such thing as racial and ethnic neutrality. Mm-hmm. So economics, all of it, whether it's capitalism, communism, socialism, anything it is, that's connected with nation of origin, race, ethnicity, religions are all connected to race and ethnicity also. So when people come to United States America and they pretend they're coming here for like freedom or something... Mm-hmm. They know what's embedded in that. They they might not say it because a lot of times newly immigrated Africans will try to put themselves against us, those of us who are here because of transatlantic slavery, and that's the ranking. And that also happens medical and health facilities as well for medical doctors from Nigeria is one of the largest populations of medical doctors. And so the whole idea is to say, I'm not one of those enslaved Africans. I'm Mm. better than them. I'm more intelligent than them. And they're not proving themselves to anyone except for white people. Right. So that's not race neutral. That's 100% about five centuries of white dominance and white power. They won't express it that way, but that's, that's what it boils down to. Yeah. It's unfortunate because like the conversation on the, of of the, um, the topic of the thread was really about getting together and coming together, you know, African brothers and American brothers together, brothers and sisters, you know, together. As Don't one. be trying to put the sisters in there after the fad, y'all. Like, uh, I ain't even coming because y'all just going to think we're going to be in the kitchen making y'all food. Nope. Well, you, you're saying you're not? I mean, if I'm hungry, what happens? <laughs> no, and hell to the no. <laughs> I'll make my own food. Y'all have to figure it out. <laughs> I mean, I'm saying. I mean, people got to eat. You know? If I get up and go to the kitchen, I'm bringing you something back. I ain't asked you to, though. That was it's your that, choice. That's equity, isn't it? That's, that's right. No. That's where it's supposed to go. 
By the way, Boys in the Hood is on BET right now. And you know the scene where they're at the cookout and Cooper Gooden Jr. was like, let the let the girls eat first. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What did I say? Mm-hmm. He did the baby face Oh, got to eat too. He did the baby right. face thing. I'll pay your rent. <laughs> he said, hold got to eat I'll wash too. your That's clothes. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I'll cook your After dinner the fact, too. inclusion is not inclusion. That's inclusion because you done got called out. As soon as you get home from Huge work. Huge difference. <laughs> <laughs> That's like you already in the a, kitchen. Go ahead and make me a sandwich. That's justice. <laughs> I'm just saying. My justice is throwing the the daggone bread at you and say make your own sandwich. I'm just saying that ain't right. I'll cook your dinner too. <laughs> this boy's see, see, in in his mind, he thinks he's like Ving Rames making him eggs. <laughs> that's not how this is coming off. Right. <laughs> not, not how it's coming off. Yeah. I, I was decidedly different yeah, this, less this than is, this I was, is coming off very Martin Lawrence and House Party dancing with the girl. Uh, but I, that's something that's important, though, right? Because, like, that African group, you know, I'm pan-African pro-black, but the difficulty is most of these groups are 100% about African black men around the world talking about, we need to come together. CMB, we all we got. And we as women and gender non-identifying African black people, we off in the corner because we know we're not really included until we kick in the door and say, hey, mubs, we here. Then yeah. it's after the fact, like, hey, come on over, which, you know. I mean, that's a dynamic I have to, we have to actually acknowledge. And if we're going to tell the story straight, like, you know, a lot, a lot of times, like, you know, that was the way things were done in the 50s, 60s. 70s parts of the 70s whatever 2021 i was gonna say 2021 i don't know about 2021 it's like we we've circled back you know we've circled back to a lot of different things but you know the truth of the matter is sometimes the conversation in the kitchen was the best conversation dudes in the living room are saying <laughs> dumb shit you know they talking dumb shit shit in the yeah. kitchen's where it's popping but the thing about equity and justice is we go where the hell we want to go, right? Like, right. that's the whole point. Whether you want to be at the barbershop, the hair salon, in the kitchen, out there on the, you know, court, football field, the whole choice is the whole point. It's not someone telling you this is where you stuck. And that's the problem with most of these pro-Black and also pan-African organizations locally, nationally, around the world. It's, it's that y'all have the freedom to be with the kids in the kitchen. That's not freedom. That's you telling me. And if I say no, you'll tolerate me. But it's just like when we talk about racial justice, I don't want white people to tolerate me because my existence is not about white permission in the first place, right? Right. So the same thing we're talking about gender is not about African black men's a permission. Like you can dislike me all you want to, but that that can't determine my existence. See, the problem is that as black people, we do too much business inside of hair places. It's like for women, it's the hair salon. For men, it's the barbershop. I don't go to barbershops because barbershops is full. Of, it's like it's like gossiping men. You know what I'm saying? I just don't do it. I can't do it. You know, that's why I started shaving my head in the first place. Just like, yep, 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 yep. I just, I, I just can't. You know, so I don't like. We, we gotta get you a better barbershop, bro. 
Yeah, well, listen, I, my boy. Yeah, we got we got to get you. We got to get you grows, a growing up barbershop. It grows, it gets to this point, and then I shave it off, and that's it. Because I just don't want to deal. I just don't want to hear all the extra extra. That's just me. It has nothing to do with with like anything other than I just don't like hearing people gossip. But the fact that so much work gets done inside of barbershops and sort of inside of hair salons and inside of churches, you know, um, we need to figure out a way. Maybe we can make a we can make like you know a, a a convention hall with a hair salon and Grant, you can open up like a chicken spot in there. You can sell your Absolutely. wings and the we community have that. will come together. Do we really? Yeah. Where's I mean, that? that's so, yeah. I mean, black communities have done this forever where we've combined our resources. So like mosques, churches, hair salons, barbershops, medical, everybody come together and they be in one space. I just feel like we have to go be careful because like a lot of times men use the word gossip and it's a very gendered term because you're using it like we we acting like women right now. And I want you to think about it more so in terms. I know you're nodding your head. That's <laughs> um, but I really want you instead of using the term gossip because that's very mm-hmm. gendered based on this assumption that women, we just sit around bickering for no reason. Think about it in terms of sharing ideas. And a lot of times it might sound like gossip to you because these are intense topics. So, so for example, when we do like mental health, prostate cancer discussions with men, black men in particular, they want it to be within the context of playing video games, drinking some liquor, talking about basketball or something. They don't want to hear about prostate cancer. So when we do these events, we'll do them at things like barbershops, right? We'll do that for like a football game, something like that, because it's, it's an environment where it's more relaxing. So it sounds like gossip to you because you're just mean and you can't understand <laughs> that sometimes people have intense discussions in a lighthearted way. I can accept so, that. So I can accept that. I have, I have a question though. I have a question though. Why is the term, why is the term gossip? Why, why is, why is it gender? Why is there a gender attached to it? That's a good question. So uh, this is actually centuries of gendered assumptions also linked to this falsehood that people believe that girls and women talk more than boys and men. That's not true. So is that, we actually have years of research. I, I'm about with this. you. Men, oh men, boys and men actually talk a whole lot, but they label it as we're just speaking facts. So like if you watch, if you watch radio shows, if you watch sports shows, they talking a whole lot and they talking a whole lot. But for them, it's not gossip and it's not bickering. It's really for them, they're kicking facts and they're having a real logical debate. And that's the it's a gender difference. It's not based on content or how long they're talking. Like some of these sports shows, they talk for hours and they just, you know, delete right. a lot of so it. Like, for show. So like Shan- Shannon Sharp and the white boy, they, they talk at infinitum. Yeah. Yeah. They're talking a lot. Like the radio shows that you hear, some of them are not live. They pre-record. They take out the bicker batter. Sometimes they fussing and fighting, and you know it's very gender, like this notion of masculinity. But, but mm-hmm. the, I'm still I'm still stuck on who 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 made the determination that gossip was a gendered thing. Here's the catch: cisgender heterosexual men made that. That's what it means when you have a patriarchal male men dominant society. What was you said? Who did cisgender? Cisgender means that you have a certain biological sex that is considered matching your gender identity. So if you were considered a biological male, 
which is usually not really based on the chromosomes and stuff, but that's what the medical doctors would tell you when you're born. And then your gender identity. So it could be a boy and then a man. So that's cisgender, which is different from gender non-identifying or, or transgender. So when we talk about patriarchy, male men dominance, that's mostly cisgender men, especially heterosexual men. So for example, if you're talking about transgender black men, gay black men, they oftentimes will highlight how it feels to exist in a cisgender heterosexual black men space where the cisgender heterosexual black men have a whole lot of standards, a whole lot of guidelines, a whole lot of criteria of what it's required to be a real man. And it includes things like don't talk a whole lot unless it's about sports. <laughs> it, and it's, and that's very harmful. There's a black man who's a rapper and one of the tracks on his album is about encouraging black boys and black men to cry and to show their feelings. Cause that's really good for your mental health. But the fact that he has to create that song, which is an awesome track, he's doing that because he's like, so many of us are taught since birth that don't you dare cry, don't you even look sad, <laughs> you know, right. or else you're a punk, that kind of thing. So all that's, and that's men who create that. And then women and girls fall into that. And women and girls call you all punks too for expressing emotion. Well, you know, I joke. But is, Go ahead. No, I, I was just going to say, isn't, isn't all of but all of this stuff that, that you're saying, I mean, I, 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 I get it, right? I understand what you're saying and where it's coming from. But aren't most of these things, like, you, you're, you're painting it with a broad brush, even though inside of that broad brush, you're using many strokes. You understand? Like, like everything, everything that you say is just, everything that you just said is just separate terms. Like, you're just breaking it down to a whole bunch of different terms. For the same people, you know what I mean. Like, like no, re- they're all, that they're all the same people. They're all they're they're all the same people. Like when you say when you when you start going into cisgendered and you know transgender, I mean like when black people cisgen- are black people cisgender. are black people, right? Right. No, not black people are black people. Our our identities within our blackness are never silent. So I am. I, I a, I'm not saying that they are. Yes, you I'm are. When you say no, no, I'm not. Okay. I'm saying that well, you're black first. No, I'm not black first, actually. I oh, am a okay. black woman first. I never separate the two. Okay, but it, in that in that woman, you're black, correct? It goes together. Right. It's a phrase. So you're black first. Not, I mean, I, I no, I'm not I, black I'm, first. I'm not, no, you're not gonna tell me how to phrase my identity. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not trying to tell you. I'm just saying. Just you're like saying if you were around a bunch of white men that you said and they black. told you that you're a man first, you might not want that because you'll understand that they're trying to downplay your blackness to highlight your manhood to unite with white men. If your preferred climate is business friendly, check out Ohio. With 0% taxes on corporate income, R&D investments, and goods sold out of state, Ohio is better for business because Ohio isn't built for followers. They're building for leaders. Ohioisforleaders.com. So, no, I'm not black first. Well, I think- I'm always interlocking my gender okay. identity with my racial ethnic identity because black men love to tell us we're black first because they want to silence every other issue to force us to be pro-black in the midst of black men acting a damn fool. Well, see, I'm, I'm, I can't, I can't, I can't ride with you, but I, but I hear you. That's you I didn't ask you. I didn't invite yeah, you I for this. 
Yeah, I got you. I did I not. I when people Absolutely. don't invite you for something, it don't matter that you're on RSVP. You know what I mean? Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? When you're not invited, you can't contact people. Like, I'm RSVP. No, the person like who are you? Well, I mean, I just I just find it interesting that that you that the first word that you said was black, and then you said that you're not black first. But I mean, that's just that's just me. Sometimes I define myself as a black woman. Sometimes I say woman black. Sometimes I say pan African pro black. But here's there the profound go. thing, which goes back to my entire point in the first place. It ain't based on your opinion, Nami. You know what I said? Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm just trying to understand. I'm just no, trying to not. understand. You're not trying to understand. You're trying to be an asshole. Because you're accustomed to spaces in which your opinion as a black man is the opinion that matters the most. Well, and I, I don't; those spaces do not exist when I'm around. All right, no, well, that's that's negative, though. It that's is negative, negative, and that's what I'm telling you. It's a hundred percent negative. No, I'm saying that what men you have said was negative. Black men, yes, and it's honest, and you will never ever guess what the hell King is thinking because I'm always going to tell you. So the problem with Pan African pro black work is that Black men will make statements and then they'll pretend that they're just expressing their opinion. You're not just expressing your opinion, you're also pushing a certain agenda that's pretending that Blackness is not only men-dominated, but it has to silence other identities within our Blackness. Well, what I was going to say beforehand, before we got into all of this, was that I just think it's very, it was interesting how you identified yourself and you described yourself and Grant identified and he defined himself. And what I think is interesting about it is that really how you feel about it is really what's important to you. You know, how you identify yourself is what's important to you. Someone else Mm -hmm. walking into a room, though, they're going to automatically You know, even though you list yourself first as either a black woman one day or as a woman who happens to be black on another day, when you walk into a room and you see a person, that person is automatically going to either identify you as any one of any one of 50 different things. And it's their it's their. No, no, they are. No, they are. No, when they see me, the first thing they say is not just black. They also identify my gender identity. But But you're not in their heads when they walk in the room. So it's like, so whatever they identify you with, it's not important to you, but it's a, it's a reality. It is a reality that they're going when to identify you anyway. When white people stalk anyway. me, they don't just call me a nigger. They call me a nigger cunt, which means they never distinguish. When Ados black men stalk me, guess what they also do? But you're talking about your, but you're talking about your personal experiences, you know, with being on the internet and things that you've gone through. It's what I'm talking about internet. is what I'm talking about now is like we're gonna wipe that. It's just like we're gonna go through a hypothetical here, different situation. It's not hypothetical. Nobody it's knows real you. Life. No, but nobody it's knows you. Life. When you walk into a store, when you walk into a store or into a space where nobody knows you, no one mm-hmm. has, recognizes you. They don't know you from your work or anything else. They automatically they either Look at you, how their life has perceived them to look at people who look like you. So, and when if they it's see a white you, they girl, see a black man. Not when sometimes. They see a, sometimes they see a black they man. They always see a black man. Sometimes they me. see a black man. Sometimes they, they see, always see a black man. A man. They it's not always. Man. No, you see, but they always see a black you know, man. You can't they you don't get to black. choose that for them, though. That's the whole man. thing. Because if someone were to do that, they always see a black Grant man. Grant was just trying to basically do the same thing with you. So you, so you feel he was trying to. 
formulate or give give your opinion on how you were seeing things. But you didn't allow oh, him I to do my that. Opinion. No, but you mm-hmm. didn't allow him to do that because what's important to you is important to you. But you're trying to say that other people can't also do the same thing. And they do. You're always a black man. When people see you, John X, they always see a black man. Well, and to ever pretend that you can neutralize your gender nobody's identity. Nobody's trying to, you see, but this is, is no, but this is like, this is like, I'm not trying to pretend anything. I didn't, dis- I didn't express how I identified. I'm expressing how other people, when someone else walks in the door. When they see you, they see a black man. I'm telling man, you, every single you know time what? they see a black man. When they hear your voice, they hear a black man. I'll give you Never an- do people say he's black. But his gender doesn't matter. When they are afraid of you, it's because you are a black man. Okay, I'll give, you another, I'll give you another interesting like perspective. Brian, another guy that we know that was one of our roommates in college, when I asked him years later, like, what was it like, you know, living in Washington, D.C. and doing things in D.C. now? He said, well, you know, it's the difference between, you know, on Long Island, when they see you, all they see is black and they see you as a black man. But when I'm in D.C., they see me as possibly their brother, see me as their cousin, they see me as their... So their their perceptions, and when you're in a black space with other black people, the first thing that comes into their mind when they walk into the place, you know, it may be subliminal, but they're not looking at you necessarily as That's not being true. like... That's not true. I know exactly... That's only cisgender heterosexual black men claim that. But those of us who are women, those of us who are gay transgender, have a disability, we know that's not true. Only cisgender heterosexual black men pretend there's a such thing as neutrality when it comes to being black. When I walk into I didn't a say space, there was. I didn't but that's say what you're was. saying. You're saying, saying that, that people that can just see you as black, and that's not true. They just see you. When you're in D.C. Grant, you live in Detroit. You, when, when you see when people, do you see, do you automatically see, when you're in a room... When you're in a room with all black people, you don't think, oh, I'm in a room with all black people. You say, like, I'm in a room with a man. I'm in a room with another man. And everything. I say that I'm in a room with black folks, and, and here are the men, here are the women, here are the people with disability. And if a when white boy in DC, walks in the room, and if a white boy in walks DC, in the room. I'm born and raised in Richmond, Virginia. So I'm going to tell you, when you're in D.C., it's literally the same thing. It's the first chocolate city. And when you walk in the room, you're not only black, you have other identities within your black. When I'm in Bed-Stuy and everything, I'm black and everything, or the old Bed-Stuy, but still, still some parts of Bed-Stuy, I'm black. And the difference is like, you know, do they see me as a Yachty or do they see me as like, you know, one of the one of them island boys, like everybody else around there in that neighborhood, in that particular neighborhood. And you're still a but man. It's not, so but it's your still, blackness and your manhood go together. Yeah. You know, we're going to definitely disagree on that because, like, That's I don't fine. think, yeah, and it when definitely Men is. always want to pretend that their manhood is somehow invisible. When people are afraid of you three, it ain't just because you're Black. It's because you're a man as well. There's a reason why Black men, Black women have a high rate of being beaten by police as well. But there's a reason why Black men have the highest rate. Same thing with Indigenous men. Indigenous because men they have fear the highest us. rate. Because they fear it's us. Because you're men as well. They don't just see black. They also see yes. a black man. Yes. That's what I'm because saying. We're, because we're gifted. Because we're born because okay. we're born gifted. So this is this is the problem with black folk having these conversations. Is right now you're agreeing with what I've just said the last 20 minutes. And I think that sometimes y'all have a tendency to want to disagree, to prove some kind of point. 
And what, then at the end, you're like, yeah, prove? because we're black men. That's what I'm saying. What point was time. I trying to? All I was the only point I was trying. The only point I was trying to make is that everyone has a right to their own perception. And you assuming that, and you assuming, I don't care, but when you and you assuming, with me and asking me see, how but I listen, identify. listen, I can't listen when you, when you talk, I let you talk. When I talk, I have to talk. We having a conversation, so that's the way we do this. Is this what is this really a conversation though? Yes, it is. Is this really a conversation? Yes, it is. I don't think so. I don't. Why nah. is it not a conversation? Because Nobody when you ask me a question and it's really rhetorical, because in your mind. Blackness is the only thing that matters. That's a rhetorical question. That's not a conversational question. I didn't say that blackness. You you are the one that keeps on bringing up making it like blackness is like what matters first and everything. I didn't say that. That's, what you're doing oh is you're goodness. taking my you're taking Grant's words. That's how this whole Grant, conversation happened. <laughs> the conversation started with Grant. I mean, am I wrong? Like guys, like somebody, anybody. It's just the it two started of us. Grant, and you Even said a follow up like you was going to explain something to me that I don't understand. I wasn't trying to explain anything to you. Nobody's trying to make any points to you. This is not what this show is about. This is not what I do. What I do is I ask questions so that way you give your point of view, so everybody gets to hear your point of view and everything. And I tried to mediate you and Grant because I didn't want y'all boxing. I don't need a mediator though. That's the thing. But, like, but this show I does. What I said. But the no show need for does. Mediator. But the show does. We can't have y'all. We're not like, you know, we're not here to disrespect one another. We're not. I'm that's not, not disrespectful. What we're doing. Because I'm when not. I tell a black man that my gender identity never separates from my racial identity, then that is what it is. When a black man tries to pretend that what I say is fa- is not factual, then that's his disrespect. That's not me. I don't agree. I don't care. <laughs> I mean, like. I don't care. Like right. y'all, don't, y'all are not accustomed to a space where black women is not searching. I think for you're, your no. I don't think that. I don't think that you understand. I don't think that anybody like really here like really um, is like upset that we that you don't I'm agree. Like you know, you you're saying like I don't. I say like I don't agree, and you go okay. Well, I don't care. But I say like but you, you know, I don't agree. agree. Like, do you get it? Like. If you had a gay black man on your show, but we're here for opinions, but we're here to get, sexual get opinions. Never distinguishes from his blackness and his manhood. You're not going to debate with him about how he identifies, and the fact that y'all don't understand that you don't debate with black folk about how we identify. That's the problem with uniting with our people because y'all really think that you can debate with us about how we identify where i'm not identifying i'm not debating with anybody about how they identify how you identify is like that's fine with me i have no problem with it so we just wasted 30 minutes cool no i mean do you know that's where i begin you already know that's where i begin i mean but that's why we've been talking about this because y'all can't grasp that a black woman is literally it all goes together at all times so therefore, there's no confusion regarding that. No, there isn't. There also is no confusion about the fact that there are other people and how they feel is how they feel as well. Like, you know, you like the sun doesn't you don't like the sun doesn't set, set and rise on my ass and everything, but it doesn't on anyone else's either. It's it like should we're all, for it's all, topics, it's, though. It's all it the should same. for certain topics. For what you demand, it should rise and shine in your ass. I don't demand anything. I don't make demands That's the of problem. people. That's the problem. I don't make you demands demand of people. Something. I don't. I don't. Listen, I am self-evolved. I am self-involved. 
I am like pretty much a one. Yeah, I pretty much am a self, a one man machine. If I ask something for it from somebody, it's like I'm going to ask them in a different way. I'm going to do my what I do. My business is my business and everything. But I'm not like trying to get you to feel a certain way about anything. I'm trying to get your point of view. You have a you have a specific field that you work in and a specific like area that you specialize in that I happen to think that a lot of it is actually like really good and everything. It's not just about my field though. This is my personal life. Like before I was a sociologist criminologist, I was a black girl, black woman activist. Yeah. And I think so, that's, and I think that's pretty cool. That's yeah, so the problem cool. though is that galaxy thought that his response to me was appropriately, well, I cannot collaborate with you. And when you respond like that, that lets you know that you were not really listening to understand. You were more so listening to try to figure out how that person ranks based on how you define blackness. So Grant, you can't and collaborate with them. So this this is what I've this is what I've I've learned. Um, Dr. Kimia, um, I she's accustomed to people coming for her. Right? Mm-hmm. I wasn't I wasn't coming for her. That wasn't that wasn't the point of what I was saying. At this point, I can't even remember what the point of what I was talking about was. But I wasn't trying to come for her. I don't like how 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 you identify yourself is not that's not that's not up to me. I'm not I'm not trying to change how you how you how you identify yourself. That wasn't the point of it. But I think that because she she's very accustomed to people coming for her on on some on some level. That's not what my intention was, which was and that's intention? why I just that's why I just backed off. What was your intention then? I was I, I was trying to get a point across, but I can't remember at this point because we've gone on so long with this. I can't remember what the point initially was. But do you remember what you said though? Do you remember that when I said that you cannot separate the blackness from the womanhood, that you said, well then we can't align. Do you remember saying that? I didn't I didn't say we can't align. I said I I said I said I can't ride with you, but I wasn't right. talking about I, I wasn't saying that I couldn't ride with you on that what particular thing in, in terms of you. I wasn't saying, saying it in terms then? of you. Because you, you there was something about? I can't remember exactly what was said. I, I like I would have to rewind the tape. I'm not I'm not mm-hmm. a I'm not a I don't have mm-hmm. a yeah, no. I would have to rewind the tape. No, that's backpedal. Well, that's it's going to be reminded. No, I'm not, I'm it's going to be heard. So I, one I way or the other, so. You're backpedaling. But, I mean, I, I hear you. You know, you have, you have your opinion and that's, and that's cool. Yeah, because you, you know don't know I mean? how to express your opinion. That's the thing about when you make a statement where I can't ride with you or whatever version, and then you don't remember what you meant when no, you there said was, that. No, there was, because it was about a certain statement. It wasn't about a concept. It was about a certain statement. I said, I never that's separate all, my blackness from my womanhood. And you responded, well, I can't ride with you on that. No, it was that wasn't the point. But I got you. I got you. You don't even know what the point was, though. That, that, I know that that wasn't it, though. Because, okay, because so you don't know what it something. was. You just know it wasn't that. Okay. I know it wasn't that because that's not something that I would say. I can't ride with you on that. Mm-hmm. So what me? I call this is uh, circular logic and reverse psychology. And this is very common in spaces in which Black women exist with Black men. And I'm saying this as a Black woman who's born and raised with four Black men in the house, my dad and three brothers, and a mostly Black family, both sides of the family, mostly Black men as friends. It's very common when these conversations happen that when the Black woman gets expressive, 
at the end of it, the Black men then get quiet to pretend to be the logical ones. And that's extremely common when having these conversations, which goes back to what we were saying about the salons and the barbershops. What does it mean to gossip versus just having a conversation? It's all about communication style. Well, you know, going back to the barbershops, going back to the barbershops, we can have shared ideas in the barbershops, but I'm sorry, when these motherfuckers start gossiping, I'm going to call them out what it is so that way they stop. I don't want to hear that shit. I don't want to hear that shit, period. I don't care whether it's gender. That, to me, is not genders. It's not. I guess it is. It's like that's a universal thing because I don't want to hear women gossip. I don't want to hear men gossip. So you put everybody in that same situation, and I ain't fucking with you, period. Yeah. So we start off by saying how gossip is defined in terms of gender variance, right? You said that. Right. That's where we start. You said that. Yes. Okay. Yep. And then somehow it mysteriously ended up with the whole black first thing, whatever. But the whole point, though, is that there is research about men talking and men are less likely to call it gossip. Instead, men are more likely to call it just speaking facts or just talking a lot because there's a lot to say. And so that's where the gender variance comes in. All right. Well, whatever it is, when I hear it, I'm going to start talking about it and tell them to shut the fuck up because that's what I do. Really? Like you said, I mean. So it's like you got me. You got that right. You did get that right. I am fucking mean when it comes to shit like that because I just don't want to hear it. I don't. Mm-hmm. I still don't understand why gossip is is really is feminine. That's I'm still I'm still stuck right there. What's well, not because man, just go get your shit. That, just go get your shit. Don't talk about yeah, nobody else's feminine, stuff. Go get your that's own the shit. Assumption that's that's what most boys and men are taught all their lives that the women are going to be in the kitchen gossiping. The men are going to be out here. They're talking. The men are talking a lot too, but it's usually not called gossip. Well, I mean, they that, might call it playing and, the dozens. And, and that's and that's you know that, that that is how it's couched a lot. That is that is mm-hmm. very much how it's couched. Yeah. Yep. Well, you know, one thing, one and, th- and then you know, with these things, these things get planted. They grow, and at a certain point, you do, you don't you don't even know you don't even see the roots or whatever. You don't even know how it got that way. You just you just carry it on. You just keep going. And that's uh, that to a degree, you know, some of what you're talking about here. Well, personally, these are things, these are things that, that we just do. And it's learned behavior. So like everything I've said the last 30 minutes, you all sometimes don't realize your language, which is very gendered because gender is learned behavior. So a lot of times when talking to black men in particular, y'all don't realize how the things you say come across because it's really based on what you were taught. You were taught certain language styles. You're taught certain communication styles. So as Black women, we're taught to think more about what we're about to say and to think about what people are saying to us, including their tone. So oftentimes when we communicate, it's because we're letting you know you didn't intend this, but this is oftentimes what you're saying comes across and oftentimes what it means, because literally these kinds of things are said for years by Black men. But what is what about women that talk the same way and do the same things? You know that yes, you know use the same them. thing. Like you know that basically they skip. They use the same verbiage. They use the same like you know mm-hmm. language cycles and circles and everything. What about them? Are they mm-hmm. like you know what category would you put them in? Is that yeah? That's called being brainwashed in the patriarchal male men dominant system. And Black Twitter calls them the pick me. A lot of times you'll find, and I used to have students like this, they will say in class, I don't hang around girls and women. Why? Because they gossip, they bicker. 
And I tell girls and women that when you say that, you're passing down that patriarchal falsehood. And oftentimes it's done to make sure that boys and men like you. They like you because you're different than those other girls and women. Same thing with token Negroes. A lot of times you hear Black folk tell white people, I'm not mad at white people like those other Black people are. And that's that whole pushing, I'm different from those other people routine. It's all part of the brainwashing. So those women that never actually break that cycle, what yeah. are they, what becomes of them at the end? I mean, they live life like, I mean, most girls and women and boys and men don't break the cycle. They it's, Breaking the cycle toxic. is extraordinarily rare. That's why we're in the situation that we're in, because there aren't enough people who are trying to break cycles. So let me ask you, like, what percentage of women would you say do that? What I just said. 99%. Like, 99%. I mean, most most black men do that. My black men friends who believe in gender justice, sometimes they have a hard time finding black men friends, because the black other black men be like, man, you a punk, you a sissy, that kind of thing. And so a lot of black women and black girls, they're taught to just comply with whatever black boys and black men say and never challenge it. Well, I'm, black men says go in the kitchen. There you go. Well, I'm going to have to rethink my 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 positions and my friendships because of this conversation. And I'm going to tell you why. One of the things about um, us in particular, this group of gentlemen in front of you, is that um, we don't really have too much of that going on in our private conversations you know, the whole punk thing and everything and all that other stuff. And, you know, most of my conversations with with these guys are basically about, you know, family, raising kids and relevant things to the to the extent that every woman I've been with has been like, damn, I wish I had a friend like Rob that y'all talk about fucking everything. Same thing with Grant. When we have conversations, mm-hmm. we can talk about pretty much everything. And, we and that's do. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, but it's like we've gone through this whole, we've gone through this whole show and everything, and despite the fact that we, that I know this, that this is my relationship with these gentlemen, you don't see that. Yes, and here's why: because although I believe what you're saying about how you all interact, most black men claim that. Most black men, when we talk to black men about sexism, misogyny, male men dominance. They claim that when they hang out with their family and their friends, that they don't talk like that. It's the same as when you talk to white people about racial injustice. 99% of white people will pretend that when they're around their white people, they talk about how much they love everybody. It wasn't until January 6th, 2021, that white liberals and white progressives admitted to the nonsense that they had tolerated all their lives from their white family, white friends, and white coworkers. Before that, those white liberals, white progressives pretended that in every white space that they existed, they talked about how much they love black folk, right? Mm-hmm. They were lying. Not one of their relatives was in one of those postcards showing a lynching. Exactly. <laughs> they weren't related they to any of those that. people. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Unfortunately, a lot of black men have been taught to, to, you know, like we say, fake in the funk as well. Like when black women talk about gender inequities in black culture and in black families, most black men will not say that's right. Keep that bitch in the kitchen. And if they do, they'll say they were joking. Right. But don't you think that in most social structures, people tend to just um, try to blend in? 
Like, you know, if you're in, if you were in the deep South in the twenties, you know, it doesn't really, it doesn't really benefit you to try to stick out because your life could be in danger. And in most social situations, if you grow up in a certain neighborhood, a certain area, in, in order for you to go against those norms, that would make you, that makes you extraordinary, right? It does make you extraordinary to recognize the situations that this is wrong within this group and to not act like the group and then to take yourself outside of the group and behave differently. Right. Right. So most of these things that are, that are attributed to people individually really, they're just like really constructs of their sociological group. Correct. Like I said, 30 minutes ago, it's learned behavior, right? See, everything comes back. That's why I try to get y'all to understand. And literally, like, when y'all stop being defensive to trying to defend your identity and, and you know, like, all I that. I don't feel like I have anything really to comes, identify to defend, but go ahead. Trust me. Black men, <laughs> even when you say that, you really do. And that's part of the learned behavior as well. So sociologist, black man, Dr. Elijah Anderson, wrote the book Code of the Streets. And in the street code, he's talking about exactly what you just said, John X. Talking about what black boys and black men learn to do. They can act one way in the house. They can be running around, baking pies. But the moment they get out that house, they know that they got to do something different, right? Therefore, that goes back to what I just said. A lot of black men will tell you that they are not doing anything to harm black girls and black women. However, if you subscribe to the street code, you are doing something. Why? Because being too polite, being too loving, crying, being too huggy, believing in gender equity in Black folk, that can get you caught upon. So that's an example of how it's learned behavior, which is the foundation of the Black church, which is the foundation of the mosques, which is also the the foundation of most of Black Judaism, which is the foundation of the Black Moors, which is the foundation of Black Hebrew Israelites, which is the foundation of Black schools. It's the foundation of Black civil rights organizations. It's that foundation that Black men will claim that they don't mean any harm. And most Black girls and Black women comply. I think I get it. Why? Because we'll spend our whole life fighting Black boys and Black men if we don't comply. No, I think I get it. Because, like, you know, the thing is, um, what you say is probably true in most cases, like you said, 99% of the cases, but in the effect of a unicorn, it's like, it's just not going to be true. Like, you know, for me, for example, but, my, it, but do we really need to talk about unicorns? Like, no, uh, well, no. I mean, if I'm, if I'm the unicorn and like, I took no. most of my, I took most of my lessons from my mom and like everybody else really, I don't really give a fuck about Pretty much well, one of my bases. Problem. Like that's y'all know me, yeah, like y'all know me since I was like sixteen years old. And like Grant, remember I used to run around talking about like you know I'm as constant as the Northern Star. Remember when I used to run around saying that dumb shit? Yes, sir. And I would yes, laugh sir. my ass off because like nothing but, was going to change and everything. Yes. Like I deal with these spaces and everything, and I run in these spaces, and I do what I have to do in order to get through these spaces to get what I want. What yes. I want, and personally. The, and here's the thing. The four of you, including the brother who's not here, Grant, y'all are all awesome people. But guess what? You're coexisting in harmful spaces and you coexist because you say, I'm just minding my own damn business. And that's similar to what white people do. White people coexist in white supremacist spaces. White people can literally stand there and watch 
white people lynch us and the white liberals will say, I'm not like that. And that's supposed to be the end of the story. So this is why as a social scientist and an activist, I don't focus on the exceptions because the exceptions exist with the rule. And if you're allowed to have black men friends outside of these three wonderful brothers, you've been conforming to the rule, just like Elijah Anderson said in Code in the Streets. You're not walking around these black men all day and day saying, I'm an exception. I'm an exception. I'm an exception. Nope. You're doing something to conform. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. But that's why I've always said I could always count my friends on one hand. So that's where it is. It's not just about friendships, though. That's the whole thing. Like, if you are not fighting for gender justice as a black man, then you are not fighting for us, which means you are not fighting for our people. My Pan-African pro-blackness always requires gender equity. It always requires sexuality equity. It always requires reproductive rights. It always requires rights for people with physical conditions and mental conditions. You cannot say that you would just be a spectator while the rest of our people are being harmed because you yourself are not doing it. It's happening in families. It's happening in communities, happening in Black organizations. And if you're just being a spectator, then you're anti-Black. That's a component of anti-Blackness. The 15th. The 50-pound girl attacks differently than the 275-pound man. You've got mad excuses, yo. You've That's got not mad. even an excuse. It's not even an excuse. It is an excuse. You've got a lot excuse. of excuses. Like, not a, what, excuse for what? That's why One I tell my, black men, I could, my I could ask you a question never about, separates from my gender identity. It never I, separates from my disability. Because y'all will, y'all will piss on me and claim that, oh, well, you know, just accept the piss. It's for our people. I just don't tolerate that. And I just want you all to understand my challenges to black men is because I love y'all, but I don't take any bullshit. All right. Well, so I don't take bullshit so, disguised. So what could Grant do? do what could Grant do in order to assist you when you're in the, in the <laughs> Wait, gender what? fight? It ain't, it ain't about Grant. No, Grant I, want, is, no I, Grant want is, I want to know. I want to know what Grant Grant is I want to know what Greg can do. I want to know what Rob can do. I want to know what Greg. I want to know what Grant can do. I want to know what Rob can do, and I want to know what I can do. I think Rob understands this. Uh, Rob is very quiet, but I think he really understands this and reflects on this long before I said it. I think Grant. I think Grant knows what I'm talking about. I think that Grant has subscribed to the Eidos thing, so you know that's part of brainwashing. But whatever. as for you, John X, I think you understand it. I think that you just have lived your life so often wanting to prove you're not like the others. Nah. And I tell people, but every time we talk about something, John, you always like, well, not me, though. So that's nah, because I don't that's- give a fuck about what nobody thinks. That's what you're not getting. I don't give a fuck what none of y'all think. I don't care if yes, nobody listens to this podcast. No, I don't. That's not true. I say I it. No, that. listen, I, I say that. it for a reason, because when I'm dead, I want everybody to know I was fucking right. That's it. That's all. But right now, but, I don't give a fuck. I'm doing my own yeah. thing. But Yeah, so, so that's the ahead. Billy Badass routine. That Billy Badass routine, you should have lost that in high school, but you're holding on to it. So Woo! here's the thing. I just want you all to understand <laughs> that we all have personalities that are tied to what we're taught all our lives. There's a whole lot of bullshit interlocked with that. And a lot of it's harmful, but we hold on to it. And we have to, instead of saying, well, I'm different, because even me as an activist, the work I do I hold on to stuff that's harmful and I have to challenge myself to help my people. Like my love for black men includes, again, I come from a black men family. 
So I'm very impatient in many ways because a lot of times Black men have not been taught how to communicate. And Black men oftentimes have been taught not only not how to communicate, but when the communication doesn't end well, to reverse it and be like, that ain't what I meant. Well, <laughs> like, I just literally, Black men do I, that. I, I, literally, I literally think it's interesting that you said that Rob understands you, Grant understands you, but I don't understand you. But I'm going to tell you what, but I'm going to put you on to something. I brought you on the show for a reason, and I'd like to thank you once again for showing up, Dr. John, you just failed there miserably because you just missed exactly what I said. Keep me in the room. We're at an hour. We're over an hour. So, show's over. Yo, round of applause, Mr. Robert Brooks. Where's it going? Where we going? Always. Rob, Leave you know good well. I more. said John understands it, and I explained further. I said you understand it, and here's the catch. Mr. Grant Lancaster. Yes, sir. Honor of City Wings. City Wings, 2896 West Grand Boulevard, Detroit, Michigan. Listen, the time is the time. The, 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 the difficulty of maleness is the ego. The, the, the difficulty, That's that ego that the, y'all will The deny. difficulty of maleness is that I have a clock in front of me. That ain't the difficulty. And, the difficulty the show is by everything I said, you pretended that I told you that you don't understand this. And if your mind has convinced you that that's what I said, then that's what's up. God damn it. I lose again. <laughs> Have the bullshit detector at all oh! times. Don't get <laughs> Yo, I love y'all. Y'all, seriously. You took what we took what was going like, what was like slowly crawling, crawling down a hill to death. And we turned it into this. And I love it. Y'all motherfuckers make <laughs> water into wine. You make water into wine every week. Well, yeah, but you, you got to sit in the fire sometimes. Like you got to sit in the fire and you got to you got to hear it and you got to feel it. You've got to feel you it. Know, and start to unpack I it. I love black unpack men. Unpack we have it. to. This ain't even so our the man who sat there show. saying nothing all show. Robert Brooks. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, I don't need a lot of words. Bang, 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 bang. Listen. <laughs> My job is to make sure that this show does not does not digress down into the realm of gossip. My name ain't no Kwame. My I name ain't Kwame. No rabbit holes. But seriously, thank y'all for joining me tonight. Born in Trouble, sixteenth episode. Yeah, yeah, hit that hit the end of the recording. Hit the end of the, hit the stop recording thing so we can start talking about people. <laughs>